0: I'm so excited about what God has to teach us in Ephesians. And um, what time is it? Okay. Um, Pastor Josh, I have to say this, actually tricked me into doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it was one Sunday morning and Pastor, he goes, hey, Judy, what's your favorite book in the Bible? I'm like, oh, Philippians. He goes, oh, it's too bad. It's already taken. What's your second book? I'm like, oh, Ephesians. He goes, okay, you're teaching it. And I'm like, what just happened? what just happened here? <laughs> so here I am. But anyways, um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. Open up to Ephesians 1. Uh, they will have, we, have, uh, we will have them up on the screen also. Also, this is a great chapter to mark your Bible up in. So if you ha- want to get a pen out, you can do that. So I am a big fan of makeover shows. Anybody else out there? Makeover shows. I, <laughs> I, 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 I love... <laughs> I love fixer upper. You may love fixer upper. Yeah. I love shiplap. <laughs> my husband does not love shiplap, but um, but by far my most favorite kind of makeover is a spiritual makeover, and it's the kind that only um, Jesus can do in our lives. And I just can't even thank Him enough for His love and and the power of the cross that just saved. Me from my life of heading down the wrong path, and putting me back on His path of righteousness. And and the great news is, um, the Bible is filled with spiritual makeovers, um, and Jesus is still in the makeover business. 365 days a year, and he even does redecorating, of whom I am a a frequent customer of his, and going and having to get redecorated again. But um, I do also have a favorite spiritual makeover in the Bible that Jesus did, and it was that of the Apostle Paul. And if you remember, the Apostle Paul was the walking Wikipedia robot, really, of Jewish law and scripture knowledge. And perhaps he's my favorite because we have a lot in common, and maybe maybe you do too, Um, in that Paul and I were both the before pictures of a Jesus makeover, of the perfect, legalistic, follow-the-rules poster children. With Paul becoming faultless and arrogant in his knowledge of the scriptures, I was, I was the opposite. I lived in like a continual strife of trying to be good enough. And then sadly, although we thought we were doing this all for God, we actually had removed the one thing that God is, and that's most important to him, and that's his love. Because when we take love, God's love, out of the picture, then legalism becomes lethal. And it becomes lethal both to the person and to the church. And there's nothing that can wear you out faster. Trust me, Paul and I know. And as I was praying and and studying the book of Ephesians, God highlighted um, in a kind of compare and contrast way as I was studying Paul's pre-conversion legalistic life to the man he had become after his Jesus makeover. And truly, all I could do was marvel at him. If you remember Paul's radical conversion day on the road to Damascus in in Acts 9, where Jesus, out of his great love for Paul, literally knocked him off of his legalistic, persecuting Christian's horse ride, and he blinded him with his Jesus light for three days. And as I pictured that road to the Damascus scene, I I suddenly had this karaoke moment of, of Jesus just going stop in the name of love, because you're breaking my heart and Jesus needed for Paul to what think it over right he really he really I know you guys are going to invite me to your next karaoke party right so. <laughs> So anyways, um, so Jesus has Ananias go, and he prays, for, he prays for Paul, restores his blindness, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets baptized, and then in Galatians 1, Paul said he was directed to go straight to Arabia for three years, where he was taught one-on-one with Jesus himself. Now, I know that Jesus had already ascended, but this is what the Bible says. <laughs> he sat with Jesus himself. Um, and I'll... Paul had definitely discovered, obviously, that Jesus was the light of the world. Um, And he was going to discover, too, that Jesus was his Prince of Peace, his wonderful counselor, his friend, the Lamb of God, Good Shepherd, Jesus, the name above all names. And it's so ironic that just a few days prior to that, Paul hated him. And now he was here at his feet for three years. So ding, 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 ding! Did you hear Jesus' cure for legalism? Yeah, one-on-one time with them, right? Relationship, not legalism. And the rest was history. And Paul had no idea after that that his New Testament writings were gonna be one of the most important parts of my own spiritual makeover. And I can't wait to get to heaven to tell him thank you, you know? Um, Sometimes, just like he did with Paul, Jesus has to knock us off our our horse rides and shine his Jesus light on us too. Yep, Whether it be legalism, addiction, anger, bitterness, greed, whatever, he will sometimes do this to get our attention. And it's all because he wants to sing, Stop in the name of love because you're breaking my heart and I want you to think it all over with me just you and me, because I want to show you who I really created you to be, okay? And guess what? Five months ago, so, I got the Jesus light, and I had to think it all over. And the Lord, again, he had to knock me off my horse of trying to be the good enough leader, the good enough mom, (laughs) the good enough grandma and wife. And I heard Jesus say, just like he said to Paul, 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 he said, Saul, 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 Jesus or Judy, Judy. <laughs> do you remember two years ago those prophetic words that I gave to you? When I told you that you don't have to always have to say something and do something and worry about being a bad grandma and sucking at being Martha Stewart and <laughs> fretting. It's like, do you remember? I've been telling you that. I said, all I told you to do was just be. Just be in the moment. And I will shine through you. I will shine my love through you. Just rest. Rest and be. So obviously, I'm a slow learner. (laughs) And that's why this teaching is really just for me. And if you guys get something out of it, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So as we study the book of Ephesians, I I really want us to notice how... Paul takes his spiritual makeover from spending time with Jesus, and then he gives the Ephesians and us this Holy Spirit-inspired book that is filled with praise to God, and he lays out this spiritual benefits package. We all have benef- benefits packages, right? Well, this is our spiritual benefits package, and it's really also our very own Christian Bill of Rights Handbook. So I'm gonna give you a little background first. Um, Obviously, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus that he had actually pastored in prior years, and he wrote the the book of Ephesians, he wrote this letter to the Ephesians from prison. It is another one of his prison epistles, and Timothy was actually the pastor, Pastor Josh has been teaching us about the book of Timothy, Um, Paul wrote this to Timothy when he was at Ephesus. Um, some of the elders of the church of Ephesus had begun teaching false doctrines and they had, uh, the Bible said that they were getting all hung up in gene- genealogies, forgetting who their identity was in. So this invited a spirit of legalism to come into the church and it began creating disputes and disunity among the congregation and that's exactly what legalism does when it's invited in. Um, It's still alive and well in churches today, unfortunately. And it's one of Satan's most powerful tools that he uses to distract and separate not only in churches, but I've seen him do it in families, too. But the the, the greatest blow from legalism is that it distracts us and it separates us from God because it takes our eyes off God and his unfailing love and his grace and all that he is and who he wants to be for us in our lives. And it puts our eyes on the fear of breaking rules, and the perfectionism, which leads to guilt trips, right, and condemnation. Or in Paul's case, it led to arrogance, right? So Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians to both admonish them and warn them, but also to encourage them. So in chapter one, we're gonna spend the majority of our time in chapter one, because this is just a very pivotal, pivotal chapter that God used to help me understand my identity in Christ, okay? So we're gonna start in verse two. Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, he starts with grace, okay? He uses the word grace 12 times in the book of Ephesians because grace is the opposite of legalism. And then he uses peace. Peace was, I mean, excuse me, Paul was just a crazy overzealous guy. He did not have peace. So now because of Jesus, he is actually wearing the shoes of peace that he's going to remind us to wear in our armor of God wardrobe in chapter 6. Okay, So verses 3 through 14, in my opinion, are just so vitally important for all of us because Paul reminds us and the Ephesians, Ephesians, remember they were hung up on genealogies, he reminds us of who our identity and our inheritance in Christ is. All right, so verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So those two words, in Christ, Paul uses those 12 times in the Ephesians, so either in Christ or in Him. Okay, so what does it mean, in Christ? It doesn't say for Christ, right? So in Christ means when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are immediately filled with the righteousness, righteousness of Christ and his holy nature, okay? And God begins a work of sanctification process in us. We don't become Christ, we're on our way to becoming more like him. Does that make sense? You with me? Okay, thank you. Um, so I kind of think of it as like making hot tea, okay? You have the hot water, you have a tea bag. When you put the tea bag in the water, right? You get, it infuses, you get an infusion that takes place and you have tea. So with our um, being in Christ, we are the water, Jesus is a teabag, so God puts the tea Jesus the teabag is, and he infuses us with Jesus, and we become in Christ, okay? And we are immediately made right with God. So to be in Christ means that God no longer sees our sins and our imperfections, because Jesus took all of our past, our present, our future sins, and also the wounds that have been inflicted upon us from sins of other people, he took them all upon himself when he died on the cross for us, so that we could have freedom of um, sin and healing. So now when God looks at us, all he sees is the righteousness of his own son. Guys, this is really mind-blowing stuff today, so I've really been praying we get it, because it's amazing. And it's very important, you know, because if God sees us that way, then we have to see ourselves that way. The enemy doesn't want us to see us that way, right? He wants, to, he wants me to stay see myself as unworthy but I have to remember the cross and go neener, neener, right? (laughs) All right. And those spiritual blessings that he talks about in verse 3 that we have in Christ means that we are entitled, because we're his, to God's supernatural blessings that are, that, that, um, Let me try again. All of God's superabundant blessings, so that what He has is ours. Everything that belongs to God belongs to us. So we already know we get His righteousness. We also get all of His resources. We get His the privilege, position, power, wisdom, creativity. On and on and on. Okay. So Christ's righteousness in us is also a part of the armor of God wardrobe, called the breastplate of righteousness, which you know is to protect our hearts. That's filled with all of, of Christ's righteousness. So verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Blameless means without fault, in his sight, in love. And then it stops there. So God chose us when? This is group participation. Thank you. Before the creation of the world, which means that he's never stopped thinking about us. Never. Okay? Um, and those words, holy and blameless and in, in love, those words remind me of a newborn baby because that's how we come into the world. Holy, blameless, perfect, innocent, and loved. Okay? That's how we come out of the womb. We do not come out of the womb saying, oh my gosh, I have to be potty trained. Right? <laughs> Did not do that. Nothing. <laughs> okay? And that's how God sees us. He sees us like that. You know, even when we mess up, He still sees us, holy, blameless, and loves us, okay? That's amazing love, amen? Amen. Okay, so our part, though, when we mess up, because it costs, you know, the cross, is to say, I'm really sorry, Jesus, you forgive me. I said, you're forgiven, and then we go. We move forward, okay? Paul says, I press on. All right, in verse five. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So God's pleasure and w- it was God's pleasure and will to adopt us as his own. It doesn't matter what DNA he used, what it came from, everyone in, the, in, in this room and in the whole universe are here for one reason. And that's because we are loved and we are wanted and planned by God. Okay? No one is ever a surprise ever. And God might have even planned you to be the Jesus in skin for your family. Amen? Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So there's nothing there about earning our salvation, okay? Only his free, glorious grace. And I believe that grace is the hardest thing for Christians to accept from God. You guys, yeah, it's so hard, especially the grace to forgive ourselves, huh? Often the hardest person to forgive is ourself. And that's another huge trap from the enemy. So just you know, made you aware of that and just remember to do that cross thing, okay? All right, verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I am so glad God is so understanding, aren't you? Yes, so gay, we are redeemed and we're forgiven in the blood of Jesus. And God is rich in grace—not just grace. He is rich in grace. Paul uses the rich word "rich" I think like five times in there. And and God just loves to share His grace. Let's skip down to verse thirteen. Verse thirteen, and you also were included in Christ. Say, I'm included. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul says that praise of his glory a few times. And what that means to the praise of his glory is because of what God has done through Jesus for us, that we are to be like, wow, thank you, God. It goes both ways. Okay? Praise him for it. All right. And in this verse, um, Paul also introduces the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who the Bible says is our comforter, our helper, our advocate, and our standby. Stand right here. Okay? He fills us, the Holy Spirit fills us, he seals us, he hovers all around us constantly. Amen. And did you notice, too, in that verse, that we are assured of of a spiritual inheritance in our Heavenly Father? So an earthly inheritance is a free, expensive gift from a loved one that we didn't have to earn. And in the same way, a spiritual inheritance, our spiritual inheritance is free to us if we are believers. But it came at a great cost of Jesus willingly willingly dying for us, for our sins. So to summarize, what does it mean to have a spiritual inheritance in our identity in Christ? In, well, it means this. In Christ, remember it's not for Christ, in Christ we are blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, assured, enlightened, sealed with the Holy Spirit, along with 600 promises from this book from God for us that are ours as his. So all of these truths are also part of our armor of God wardrobe called the helmet of salvation. And we wear this to protect our minds because this is who we are in him. Amen? Okay. I appreciate you letting me know you're with me. All right. Paul has beautiful prayers in Ephesians, and we're going to read one now in verses 17 through 21. And um, if you aren't familiar with praying scripture, it's an awesome thing, and all you do is you, you find the promise and you put your name in it, Okay? So uh, if you try practicing that in your your daily time with the Lord, okay, it's powerful, wonderful. All right, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So... As we learned, Jesus definitely gave Paul a revelation of himself so that he could know him better, right? So I, can't, I, I just want to encourage you to do the same. From this verse, it says, Jesus, would you give me a spirit of revelation of you today so that I can know you better? I want to know you better. What do you want to reveal about yourself to me so that I can love you and know you more? And also, if you can ask him for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for anything. If you don't know what to do with your kid who's driving you crazy, Lord, I need a spirit of wisdom and revelation right now so I know how to help, what to do, you know? In relationships, if we've got projects, or we're just like, Lord, I need your spirit of wisdom and revelation, please. Open the eyes of my heart. It's our gift. It's our inheritance. Yes? Ask him. Okay? Verse 19. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Amen. So not only has he lavished us with his grace, but this verse tells us that he's also filled us with the same, I like to say it incomparably, great power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead what that means that resurrection power lives inside of us you guys can you wrap your hand around that it's amazing huh so it's given to us the exact moment that we accept christ jesus as our savior and we can access it anytime we need help for power in fact you are witnessing it right now because i'm up on this stage <laughs> right had to have resurrection power, and also because I have to be accountable to my last name. Hey, all right. So when you wake up every morning, or when we wake, God, thank you for your resurrection power to help me. I mean, you just have to get out of bed, you know. For your resurrection power, it's my job. Hey, take advantage of it. <laughs> Chapter two. Paul has another surprise for us in our spiritual benefits package in verse um, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And God raised, up, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So this next spiritual benefit as God's children is that we have an immediate location and position of victory, seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus, our heavenly Father. So what does that mean exactly? Because we're here on earth right now, okay? It's a little bit confusing. So here it goes. God created us body, mind, and soul, right? And he also created our spirit as that place where his spirit comes and dwells within us. God, so far? Okay, so, but in Galatians 5, 16 and 18, Paul tells us that we are to live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and not the flesh. Okay? So, although we live here on earth with its hardships and difficulties and also its joys, spiritually, we are seated with him in victory in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You get that? And all the spiritual blessings that we have access to are in the heavenly realm. So we call down heaven to earth. Does that make sense? Okay, so we are heirs. We are royalty. And is, it, is another mind blower is that we have an incredible heavenly father who shares his throne with us. We're not as slaves; He shares it with us. Wow, that's awesome, huh? All right. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 2.10. 10. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Let that sink in. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared, which God pre- prepared in advance for us to do. So I realize now that Paul is talking about works. But these are not the kind of works that we think we have to do to earn salvation and spiritual brownie points, okay? So what I picture it is like this. So when God was busy designing and creating us before he created the world, he also filled us with talents and gifts um, that he was going to equip us with to do the good works from him that would bring us joy and others' joy and glory to him. Does that make sense? Okay? so. All we have to do is ask him, what are your good works that you planned for me before the world? And he will show you. All right, moving to chapter 3, in verses 14 through 19, As my favorite, very favorite prayer by Paul. But we don't have time to read it, so I'm going to give it to you for homework. Okay? So this week, I would like for you to try to read this every day and put your name in it, all righty? It's going to be amazing. Um, Ephesians 3 20 is one of my most favorite verses. I love this one. Verse 20. Now to him who is able, might want to circle able there, there's lots of incredible adjectives in this. For to, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his resurrection power that is at work within us. Okay, this was Paul's mindset. And you remember that Paul wrote this from prison. My husband and I have seen that prison. Just like Pastor Josh was saying, it is a rock pit. It's gross, it's really gross. And Paul wrote that knowing probably that he was gonna die a martyr's death soon. And he's telling the Ephesians, hey, your God's able to do immeasurably more than you can dream of or imagine. What? I would be curled up in the fetal position you know, but to me, that's a picture of faith. It's a picture of faith that no matter what God doesn't matter where I'm at, whether I'm on the mountain or I'm in the pit, you're the God that's going to do immeasurably more for me because of who you are and because of the power that's within me. And I know that we all have our Ephesians 3:20 moments. I've had them so many Ephesians 3:20 moments where God has done immeasurably more than I could ask or dream ever imagine. Okay. And so keep those in mind. He, every day, God wants to do immeasurably more for you. And it's going to look different for each one of us, you know? For some of us, it might be that you did three extra sit-ups, I don't know, or something. You know, and for some of us, it, you know, it could be a miracle, all right? Okay, we, we actually don't have time to go through chapter 4 and 5, okay? So if you can look at those, Christ loves the church. He loves unity in the church. Oh, it means so much to him to be nice to each other and glorify him, okay? And then chapter 6 and verses 10 through 19, it's the famous armor of God chapter that I was talking about. Um, Paul is going to tell us how we need to dress. Um, You know, just like we wouldn't go out of the house every day, hopefully we don't go out of the house without being properly dressed, Okay, so the same is true for us as children of God. And Paul instructs us on the armor to wear every day. And yes, it's armor because we are in a spiritual battle in case you didn't notice, duh, huh? So we obviously have an enemy who despises us, loathes us, hates us. He studies us, he knows our weaknesses, he knows our proclivities, he knows our temptations, he knows how to push our buttons just like our children do, okay? (laughs) And his name is Satan, obviously. And I don't say this to scare you at all. I say this to make you aware. Okay? Because we've already learned that we sit in the heavenly realms and Satan is under our feet. Okay? Because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? But we have to have a strategy. Just like our servicemen, thank God, have to have a strategy and know their enemy to protect our country, we got to know how to protect us and our families. So in verse 10... Um, Paul says finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty what? Power. As resurrection power you guys, okay, and he tells us to put on the full armor of God So that we can take our stand against the enemy's schemes And he reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood which is people right? Or our grace growers that we can call them But against the rulers against the authorities and against the powers in the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms okay, so It's the enemy that is like 99.9% of the time behind those horrible people that make us frustrated, okay? Um, And I think also that we would agree, though, that besides people, our biggest battle is right here. It's in our minds, okay? So the remedy for that, okay? Do we have that Roman soldier again picture? Um, There's a a Roman soldier who Paul was chained to, and so that's where he got this... um, this armor from. And if you can see, the, the very first piece of armor that Paul writes about is the belt of truth, okay? The belt of truth. And the soldier wore this sturdy leather girdle um, to reach around his torso and provide essential support while he performed the quick demanding movements of war. So you kind of can see it there with that sword's hanging, okay? Um, So, you know, we need a strong physical core, don't we? Everything is attached to our core. So we have to have a strong physical core because it will help us stay balanced and stable. Okay, so for spiritually, God's truth, okay, is our core support. It brings us balance, it keeps us stable. And without these truths in our life, if we don't know them, we we got to know why we believe what we believe, because if we don't, we're going to be left weak, and we're going to be left susceptible to things that might appear right, but they're not. We can be like a sitting duck, just waiting, okay? So how do we wear this belt of truth? How do we use it? And it's with another piece of armor. It's this one, the sword of the Spirit, okay, the Bible. And unfortunately, sadly, this is probably one of the biggest dust collectors in the world. That's a shame because it could change the world. Not only that, it could change the world, but this is the God breathed, living and active word that doesn't return void. God says, My word, when you send my word out, it does not return void, it does not come back empty. That's why it's so important that we memorize it, we speak it, we believe it. Okay, it's ours. I encourage you to memorize verses. Put them on post-it notes and stick them everywhere you're going to see them. In your house, your car, your office, where you're going to see them. We gotta, in Psalm 119, David said, I keep your word hidden in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And Jesus was one of our greatest examples who modeled this. Not only did he say on the cross, it is finished, because sin was done, period, bam, okay, he also said three words to Satan. Ready? It is written. And when he was in the wilderness, those 40 days fasting, and afterwards was so at his most vulnerable point and Satan came to tempt him, every time Satan tempted him, he would say, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. OK, that's his model. Satan came three strikes. Three strikes, he was out, he left. Okay. That's why it's just vital. We, when Satan comes to tempt us and push our buttons, we've got to be able to say, hey, it is written that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. Amen? Okay, and Paul also reminds us at the end of those chap- that chapter to pray, pray, pray. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is just talking to God, okay? Talking to him and listening, listening, listening to So in closing, I just want to ask a question. Um, Would you ask Jesus if there are any areas of your life that he needs to shine his Jesus light on? Yikes. Because he might have to knock you off whatever horse ride you're on that keeps you from knowing him the way he would love for you to know him. Maybe it's legalism. You'll have to fill in the blank. I don't know. OK. And if he does have to shine his Jesus light on you, would you allow him to sing you, stop in the name of love, because you're breaking my heart. And would you come, and would you sit with me, and would you think it all over? With me, I promise you I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You know what? Our Heavenly Father would much rather have us ride on his shoulders. It's a much better view up there. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Um, The best decision that I ever made besides marrying my awesome husband (laughs) was um, normally... Emotional, sorry. <laughs> um, was accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you have not had the opp- uh, awesome opportunity to meet him, I would love to introduce him to you. So if you would just raise your hand for me. I would love to pray with you. And also if you like me struggle with legalism, trying to follow the rules be perfect would you raise your hand so I can pray for you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you got you back there thank you okay let's pray pray for you oh father you are such a good good father I thank you that you are not the father that demands, but you are the father that, that loves and invites. And so, Father, for these raised hands, I thank you now that you will show them your truth that sets them free. Father, that your spirit would come in right now and just begin to minister and just to bring that rest that only you can give and that says just be just be with me i'll take care of the rest i praise you praise you jesus for what you have done in holy spirit thank you that you are right there we just love you i pray father that you would seal these truths that our identity is in you that our spiritual inheritance is in you that we are co-heirs with Christ and we are seated in the heavenly realms with you. And that the enemy is under our feet. We can't praise you enough. <laughs> Just thank you. We love you. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.